Playoff time is when things start getting serious on the court. Players are more driven than ever to win these big games and keep advancing. Goodyear knows all about being more driven, too. Working hard to help you advance on and off the road. Let Goodyear.com help you choose what's best. Welcome to a special edition of the Hoop Collective podcast. Uh, we decided we would do something special for our wonderful, loyal listeners. If I was cheesy, I would say it would be a way to thank. Isn't that no. awful? This is, just, this is not um, off to a good start at all. <laughs> uh, I'm in Los Angeles with sitting next to me here Who in are the you? studio. I'm Brian Winhurst. There we go. It's like he's never done this before. Um, <laughs> I just assumed everybody knew who I was from my they, wonderful I think voice. you can read the description. That's the thing. <laughs> right, they read the description. Yeah, it's not knows. a radio show. My name would be first, naturally. <gasps> I'm kidding. <laughs> and uh, joining us via... Um, you never got sitting oh, next to you I in Los Angeles. <laughs> sitting next to wow. me. What's your name again? Um, Rachel A. Nichols. Boom. Rachel, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. To make this uh, for all, of, I mean, we, we assume the people right now they're on trains, they're in cars, they're planes. in Ubers, they're in planes. Did they get you an Uber boats. today? They Uber to the airport, they Uber to the okay. train station. And in Bristol, Connecticut, joining us uh, via the internet. <laughs> Amin Al Hassan. But wait, there's more. There's more. So, I mean, I didn't like the idea that you wouldn't be with us. So. I have a picture of you from Heat Island that we're putting in the studio oh. as we speak, and I can document this. And then also, in addition to the picture of Amin, who can't be here in person for the podcast, I brought cranberry sauce. Why is that relevant to Amin? These, the, I mean, why is it relevant to a podcast? Wait. <laughs> no, I also no one can see these. You can say, I have a roast turkey here. Wait, uh, no, because <laughs> I'm going to show this on the internet. I brought two kinds of cranberry sauce because I want to know if you prefer the fruit, the smooth jelly cranberry sauce or the fruit pieces cranberry sauce. Oh, I, she actually I, has two things of cranberry sauce here that she produced. So I feel like there's yeah. <laughs> um, there's, there's got to be more to this, right? <laughs> well, I also brought this. So I was at I was at the Target last night because you know Target? I love the Target. Um, and I, I got the cranberry sauce and then I saw this and I thought, what's in a can that just says pumpkin on the outside? Pumpkin. Nice. But do you can pumpkin? Not to my knowledge. I mean, you can. Right? It, it has a picture of a pumpkin pie. Slice, so. Right. But that's false advertising because do you think there's a pumpkin no. pie in that can? No. No. I think that would be worse to find a pumpkin pie in a can than I would to find <laughs> pumpkin in a can. I think you'd be happy to find when a pumpkin in a can. When I was a kid, I uh, definitely had many times. You know, my mother wasn't the finest cook. She was a coach. So she... By the way, Andrew Hahn is with us. I I just want to point out that of the three of you, I think unequivocally Rachel is the biggest star. But she is the wow, most amenable harsh. with her time. Whereas That's Brian true. and Amin. 
That's true. You when know you, why. you told you know me why, taking right? time out of my busy day, I'm the only one who actually dedicated time yeah. to this hour where Brian and Amin are both like, oh, wait, we got to stop taping a third That's of the way That's because you are such a big off. star that you, exactly. that you only, I say only, that you do the jump <laughs> and then you must immediately begin thinking about the jump the next day. Mm-hmm. Whereas Amin and I are on the hustle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing we're nickel all and diming. We're nickel and diming out here. If for sure. only Amin was a big enough star so that he could just say, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Podcast, no, no thanks. Look, Amin, <laughs> Amin is getting a can of pumpkin in the mail, so Amin should not complain. When I was a kid, I ate the cranberry sauce that looked, it was like gelatin that looked like we came out in the shape of the can. That's the kind on the right, yeah. the jellied cranberry sauce. That is what I I prefer just for the people out there listening. Not that they should send me cranberry sauce. I'm just saying for registering our I just votes. can't believe you kept producing canned goods out of your purse. I know, and a mean. <laughs> and a mean. <laughs> and a photo a of a mean. I produced a mean, two different kinds of cranberry sauce, and pumpkin. If I had been let in that Target for like an extra 20 minutes, who knows what I could have come up with. Target is amazing. The, I'm not even being paid to say that. Your work comes in the frame. Um, You should check your text messages, Amin, because I'm sending you a photo of what we're seeing. And then people on the internet, when they listen to this podcast, I will also tweet it so you can have a visual aid. Very interactive. Right? See? Nice. Um, Do you want to talk about basketball? I heard we talk about basketball on the Windy Podcast. Yes, but this is a special podcast. (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, Andrew Hahn's going to edit it any way he wants. I'll talk about anything in in the order in which he prefers. Um, Amin, are you traveling tomorrow? I mean, uh, on I Wednesday? Am. I am traveling <laughs> on the worst travel day of the year. Yeah. So am I. Rachel, you're not, right? You I am. You, no, you I am. Um, I'm traveling in parts, though. In parts. I cannot make my whole trip um, because it's a connecting flight, and uh, the jump will finish taping with you and I yes. mid-afternoon. So I'm going to do one leg, stay over at a hotel, and then do the next leg, and then arrive to join my family Midday Thursday. Good gracious. I am going to do the jump and still connect and make it, assuming that I the flight to make it on time. As soon as I make it to the airport on time, I will focus heavily on it. <laughs> are, are you going to be okay? Are you going to start hyperventilating halfway through the show? Brian, if he doesn't get to the airport, a good three to three and a half hours before a flight, he starts to get nervous. Now you you're see being some flop sweat. You're being ridiculous. Um, did you like not tell – you told me – when you were going to London, I said, what time are you getting to the airport? And you said three hours early. That was because... That was an international flight. It doesn't matter. That was because I wanted yes, to does. enjoy the... I wanted the to have dinner. Because, you know, food on planes is terrible. So I wanted to be able to have a leisurely meal. At the renowned I, I, cuisine of the <laughs> LAX airport. I have a, I have a hot serve. take. I have Go. a hot take. Go. I don't think airline food is as bad as it was like 10 years ago. Depends on the airline, I would like to say. I don't want to besmirch any That's of our true. fine advertisers, but I will say there is yes. a huge You know who off. you are. You know who you are. <laughs> Amin, this is, this is, you know, we all fly a lot. Um, Amin and I's preferred airline, which we won't say. Um, Amin figured out that on certain flights, they serve you from the front of the plane, and on other flights, they serve you from the back. And he figured out how to determine. Code. You did? Yeah. I thought it was totally random. I, I know what it's, airline it's you're talking about. Random. It's not random. Because one of the things that happens they, is if you do want to eat on a plane, sometimes they're out of, of what you want what by the time want. they get to you. So ideally, and also you don't have to wait as long if you're really hungry. 
So Amin cracked the code. Is the code Is it day of the week? Is it something like even days, odd days? I think if Amin is in the back of the plane. <laughs> Start in the front. <laughs> yeah, that, that, is, that is Murphy's code, yes. No. Um, it's, it's, by the, it's by the flight number. Oh, even odd? Yes. Mm-hmm. If it's, so which is which? If it's odd, they, if it's odd, they start in the back. If it's even, they start in the front. Interesting. And I will say, if, if I feel like I need to, like if I'm planning a flight and I feel like I need to eat on that flight, I will purposely put myself in position. Have you found it to be true? It is true. He is 100% right. Okay. Why can't we say the airline? This is not a bad thing about the, I know, we all know what airline you're talking about. (laughs) We don't want to give, we don't want to give free advertising to Rachel. They want, they want us to advertise, they better give us some frequent fire miles. All right. But uh, I confirmed it with the flight attendant, and she was surprised that I figured it out. Look at that. Impressive. Like, that's impressed. when you know yeah. you've, 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 you've flown, flown too much. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. when you know you've flown. Um, I mean, uh, considering you traveled so much when you were a scout, what is your worst travel story? Ooh, that's good. Um, I, you know what? I've got many, many, worst. many. By the way, I'm sorry, I have to interject while you scramble and think. Should it worry me that Andrew keeps a notebook of, like, things that happen on the pod so he can write down note, time notes to himself and the page is completely blank so far? Oh, that's no. not good. He's like, this is all. <laughs> this, this is, is all, all trash. Cut. It's all, all going cut. away. As long as you don't curse, that's primarily what I write down. Oh, oh really? Okay. Yep. Uh, all right. Um, Rachel, what, while me scrambles, what you have one? I can give you my best travel story. Oh. Um, this was pre 9-11, I will say that, but still, I think pretty impressive, is that I was traveling from D.C. to New York uh, as part of my uh, being a beat writer for the Washington Post on the Washington Capitals, and I realized, like, as the taxi was pulling up to the airport that I did not have my wallet. Oops. I did have, like, seven hmm. bucks in my not gonna bribe computer bag or not whatever. So I was able to pay the taxi dropping me off. Um, and then I sort of had to decide I was going to either try to double back, and that would definitely have me missing my flight, or get on the plane. But what I don't think I like fully thought through when I was like, ah, I'm going to try to go for it, it's not just getting through security. It's that you then go to New York without your That's wallet. That's correct, yes, <laughs> right? which is kind of an issue. <laughs> so... I went is New through, York an expensive town? <laughs> I went through TSA, and I what is was true then, but is also true now. This is a helpful travel tip for our listeners. You should have a photo ID when you go through TSA. You don't need a photo ID when you go through TSA. Let, let me put the disclaimer in. You don't need it, but if you don't have it, they have the right to say, mm, not, it's still not good enough. Because basically what happens is they put you through an extreme What they call a secondary screen secondary screening. I, I can't secondary even say it was that. At the time, it was not that extreme. Maybe it is now. But I do know. I have since. There's been a couple times where for one reason or another, I don't have my ID. And you can if you say you're willing to have a secondary screening um you can't get through but yes so i got through security got on the airplane landed and then was sort of faced with wondering what to do i was supposed to rent a car um i had one of those like well well (laughs) that's what you say this is supposedly a good story (laughs) uh went to and i will give them props national car rental um where i had like a frequent renter account 
So they had a credit card for me on file. Now, they're not supposed to rent you a car without a current driver's license. But I sort of explained to the guy and gave him my whole like, oh, but, you know, I just rented a car in Saskatchewan two days ago. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm good, right? You know, so he let me he let me go on the credit card they had on file with the car. Then I had to get through – I was landed at Newark. I had to get through the tunnel to Manhattan. And at that point, I pulled over to the toll booth, and there was a highway patrol guy who was kind of there supervising. And I just, like, flat out, I was like, hey, I don't have any money, but here's the situation and whatever, whatever. And he paid my toll. And I sent him a oh, check. Wow. I sent him personally a check when I got back to D.C., like six days later, I'm on this road You're trip. You're pulling off some great stuff here, but I still don't know what your plan is when you get into the city. There's a lot more hurdles to cross. I'm, I'm, this, is, no, so this, is, this is the part where you have to be mindful of the time because there's a part of me that's like, Rachel, why didn't you just go, as soon as you got out of the airport, go to the local like branch of the bank that you have nope. bank with and take out some cash? No. Nope. But then I remembered, I remembered back then, they didn't have this thing called uh, like, like if you were like in Atlanta, they had Nations Bank, and yep. they had Nations Bank in Atlanta, Georgia. But you could not go to Washington D.C. and hit up a Nations Bank or a Wachovia <laughs> or whatever because they were all they were regulated. Yep. You could not and not so yet, And you know. just a lot of the stuff we kind of take for granted now. Um, and then I'm why like, did you I'm just get an Uber? An Uber, right? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna make this shorter because it's getting long. But yes, every step of the way, I was able to sort of you know with the hotel again. They have my credit card on file because I was a frequent traveler or whatever this is all stuff that i think today you probably wouldn't be able to convince them because you still i don't i don't know how you're gonna pull this off and all of that stuff um so yeah so i got um i was able to make it until the next day where i had somebody who had fedexing my wallet to me for the next day but i thought the fact that i got on the plane rented the car through the tunnel through the the tunnel and checked into the hotel and then I had to, like, ask someone to buy me dinner, like one of my fellow beat writers to, oh, well, like, that, pay for know, dinner, and then, then I yeah, paid them back the I would day. assume that somebody would have helped you once you knew people. Yeah. So That's my, a good travel story. That's good. So Andrew's my, making notes. He's like, cut all of this out. all can be out. Um, one time I helped a friend move from Ohio to Denver, and we were in a, uh, an SUV pulling a trailer, a U, one of those U-Haul trailers. And we were on the afternoon, it was a Friday afternoon, and um, we were driving uh, on an off-ramp to get food, and the engine started making terrible noises. So we pulled off. It was just outside Manhattan, Kansas. We got towed into Manhattan, Kansas, and it was in May. And I was like, okay. And they're like, oh, we can't look. It's too late in the day. We'll have to look at this tomorrow, Saturday morning. And so I said, okay, well, there's a hotel across the street. There was a couple of NBA playoff games that night. I go, we'll just idle here. So I walked over to the hotel, and I said, I'd like to have a room for tonight. And by the way, this is like 2003, so just keep in mind, pre-smartphone. And they're like, oh, we haven't had rooms on this weekend in months. This is Kansas State graduation weekend. Ooh. Oh, no. So we ended up having to rent a car and then drive like an hour to find a hotel room. The next morning, we find out that the engine is blown. And can no longer, they, and they tried wow. to sell us a car because it was at a car dealership. Like, you know, they saw we had Ohio <laughs> Place, we were in Kansas. And so, all right, well, like, okay, here's what we're going to do we're going to go to the U Haul and we're going to upgrade from 
a, um, a small trailer to a full-size truck, and we'll get his stuff to Denver, and then we'll figure it out from there. Um, we go to the U-Haul, and they go, oh, no, the Kansas State students just moved out. We don't have one-way rentals till September. Oh. This was in May. Oh. So like, oh, man. Then not only that, that was actually Kansas State graduation day, and even the hotel that we stayed at an hour away didn't have rooms. So we found this furniture store that was willing to lent a, let us rent a gigantic budget rental car. Like, it was like a semi. I mean, it was like 30 feet long. And again, we had enough stuff for a trailer. So at that point, we had a broken down car we couldn't drive. We had a rental car. We had a U-Haul trailer and a 30-foot long, gigantic budget, huge truck. We attached the trailer to the, the, to the truck and to bring it back to the U-Haul dealership. The U-Haul dealership was like, you can't transport U-Haul equipment on the back of a budget truck. Like, yeah. listen, buddy, if you knew what we were going through, you'd let us. <laughs> so I asked the guy, I go, how long is it going to take us to get to Denver? And he kind of looked at the horizon and he goes, well, oh, depends no. on the wind. What? Oh, no. Come on. I ain't flying. I'm driving. <laughs> so we get out in western Kansas. All right, we're going to make it to Denver and then we'll deal with it there. And it's a beautiful day. It's now Saturday afternoon and we're driving. This thing had good power in it. Um, and all of a sudden in the distance, I see what looks like rain. And I'm like... But I'm looking around. There's no clouds. So how could it be raining? We get up, and it's the first and only of my life hellacious dust storm. Twister. Whoa. Oh, man. I've never like seen you, Why like are you disappointed that he was not in a tornado? <laughs> it might as well have been a tornado. He's like, ah, oh, no twister. There's tumbleweeds flying across the plane, slamming into the side of this trailer. Now, I want to point out, this trailer was like 6% full, okay? And the wind was blowing like left to right. I can no longer control the thing. It's fishtailing in the wind. That's not good. Oof. I have to pull over because I'm worried we're going to tip. I pull over, and this gr- these motorcycle guys, like maybe like six guys, I don't want to call them a gang. That might be, in, <laughs> that might be insensitive. They six might have guys a knitting circle. Drive up, and they take shelter behind our truck. Nice. And meanwhile, the truck is, is, is teetering in this dust storm, in this wind. And I'm afraid that it's going to blow over onto these motorcycle dudes. These tumbleweeds flying across, slamming into the side, like creating boom, 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 because it was like aluminum. And it was like the tumbleweeds, you know, like it was almost like we were taking fire. And I was like, how the hell did I get myself in a situation? I just wanted to help my friend move his stuff. (laughs) So we got through the um, we got through it. And when we got to Denver, uh, everything inside the truck was coated in dust. Like it just got through all the cracks and stuff like that. But he didn't have to have the engine replaced. He had the. The, the truck shipped back, and uh, we ended. So it all had a happy ending, and I had nowhere to be. I wasn't, like, in a rush to be. But that, that's my story. Okay, unlike, I mean, yeah. follow that unlike, up. Unlike today. The, uh, the happy ending <laughs> to that story, Rachel, is Brian still has that budget semi today. So nice <laughs> <to drive. laughs> Do you need an ID to drive it, or will you let me just take it? <laughs> <laughs> you, you can By take the it way, off my hands. The, the route you took is basically the same route they took in Dumb and Dumber, right? It's, I was waiting for the part where I you fell asleep that. and your and your buddy d- took the wrong turn and you went half the way back across the country. There was uh, <laughs> there was other stuff that happened that I cut out for the sake of brevity. Let's just say it was a crazy couple of days. I uh, I'll be quick with mine. I was at I was at Syracuse um, to I think watch practice. 
car got broken into. They stole oh, my GPS, which no. back then was, you know, you need the GPS to get around. Like, otherwise you're, you're, you're screwed. And my water bottle that I forgot in the, in the car had frozen solid oh. because it was one <laughs> degree. And so then I drove, and then I had to drive down to New York City to catch a game at the garden. And so because of, I was dealing with all that stuff, I was late. And so I got pulled over for speeding. <gasps> So wow. That's an elaborate explanation for a speeding ticket. That is it a was, lot, though. That was a did lot. You, like all did, the you, one... um, did you send the, the speeding ticket bill to Robert Sarver as uh, expense? Ah, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even, even expense to lemonade at, at Madison Square Robert Garden. Robert Sarver was like, wait a minute. Me. This was a mid-sized car. Why didn't you get the economy? <laughs> How many times did you gas up? See? <laughs> Do you have a broken window in the freezing cold? Uh, no, they uh, they jacked it. They did okay. the you know that thing where they put the the metal thing inside the car the uh, yeah, between yeah, yeah. the window and the and the door. I always think that looks cool in movies when they do that. It, it, it makes it look very easy. <laughs> right? I don't think it's that easy. Because I've, I've locked my car, my car keys in my car that's once. That's what I mean. I would like to know how to do it, not to boost other people's no, cars. I can barely well, take care of my own car, but I would triple just. AAA. Triple like A does it. Well, yeah, but it's not. It wasn't on the first go. They were like the Triple A guy was struggling with it, so that's why I'm like, okay, movies. It's like hot wiring. Right. Like you act like, oh, I got to do just get under there and just touch these two wires. Like, nah, it, there's more to it than that. I mean, you have bad luck with uh, getting stuff stolen out of the car. That's just twice, really. No, three times. I, I was, <laughs> I, four times. No, four. I times. remember Wait when till... I was in grad school, but that that was that was. My buddy's fault because he was drunk and he wanted to, like, go somewhere. And I'm like, dude, you're drunk. And I don't know. He tried to open the door of the car. and Wait till I ship you this can of pumpkin. You know. People are going to be after that big time. <laughs> when they see that on the back seat. When they see that. Woo! Be <laughs> careful. pumpkin like how do you think this uh, i don't know i look it's the picture we're is amazing because i'm we're gonna have to open yeah like today. it looks like it's a fully formed pumpkin pot <laughs> right but it says <laughs> that's pumpkin. what they imply that's exactly but it just, says, it just pumpkin. says pumpkin on the side again i will post visual aids on twitter 100 percent pure pumpkin all natural and no preservatives <laughs> i'm sure there's no preservatives in there, in there. yeah that's yeah, in a can <laughs> it's just <laughs> Come a on. pumpkin um i will say though i'm i still do i have a vote you, are you voting for jelly Cram- or yes, jerry, I, jelly I, I, or I, whole berry cranberry I sauce. I grew up on jellied cranberry Me sauce. too. I like, and I like it when someone puts it on the table when you can still see the shape of the can. Yes, naturally. In it. Yes. Exactly. Whole berry looks like uh, a prop that people use in Hollywood to stand in for other things. <laughs> Andrew Han, <laughs> did, did, your vote, Andrew? did your Korean parents, did they, did, how, where were their cranberry sauce? How uh, did they it, serve it? It was jelly. We were, we were uh, rigid Thanksgiving celebrants. I think as immigrants, you want to you want to adopt all right. the right. You want to be Americans, right? Yeah. So, uh, team jelly for me. We we didn't we definitely don't didn't have those pressures. Right. <laughs> so which are uh, you? Are you whole berry or are you jelly? Also? I, guess, I guess oh jelly, but, but that's because this is later in life. What four for four, four team no. jelly? That's no, unusual. Some people would normally I'm persecuted. I'm persecuted for my jelly. I've never beliefs. seen. I've never seen I have a whole berry well. one. In fact, my wife mocks me. In fact, when we were talking about the menu at her her parents who were hosting Thanksgiving, she was like, "Well, we better get uh, you know get, get the good cranberry sauce that you know it's homemade for everybody else, but get the 
the one out of the can for Brian because that's what he likes. And uh, <laughs> now it's time for our, our ad read from Holberry Cranberry. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That would have been a tremendous buildup if we did that. It's I know, actually can you imagine? Ocean Spray brand. I know. I was hoping to get a Target uh, uh, sponsorship out of That's today's podcast because right. I would just like free stuff at Target. I could buy. You think about how many pumpkin cans I could buy. Market Pantry. That's the the Target brand. That was it. Market there we go. Pantry. games on thanksgiving um they just seed it to football yeah but i think this is amazing that the nba looked at the nfl's success on thanksgiving day and how the nfl owns thanksgiving basically and how you know they get really great ratings because really when you're sitting around with your family what do you want to do not talk to your family so therefore oh let's just turn on the football game we can all just whatever and they were like huh what holiday could we ruin for <laughs> <Yeah>. our league? <laughs> and I'm joking because, of course, I actually like – I will say I love the Christmas Day games. I think they're fun, and I do like both when I participated um, as a reporter in, in covering them or being on the sidelines for one or um, you know just sitting home and getting to watch them. But I do know that, that people See, in the league sometimes get frustrated, the, the support no, work. That, well, that, the, that's the funny thing is as a fan, I enjoy Christmas games. Mm-hmm. I will definitely be watching ABC and ESPN's. Wonderful slate of games on Christmas Day, but as a not just team us. working for a team, you didn't want the Christmas. Well, that was my, that was I said support staff. I was trying not to be whatever. Yeah, but my want, point is that there's want, a, every game that gets played. It's not just the players on the court. There's a whole right. organization worth of people who have to work, and it's probably fun right. to play in those games. It was fun for me as a reporter or a sideline person to get to cover those games. I I do know though, and I have empathy for it. Is it is not fun, it's, and and those people also a, miss. Uh, uh, what's in May? The holiday? <laughs> Memorial Day. Oh. Memorial Day. Uh, a lot of people miss Memorial Day because mm. of the playoffs. And then now I've also heard a lot of complaints from, and I mean, you can tell me this, from uh, people who work in organizations that the 4th of July has now been claimed yeah. by the NBA yeah. and that everyone has to be in their offices working. And teams also complain, you know, because Tuesday of this week there was only one game. Um. Because they wanted to load up on Wednesday and Friday. Exactly. They wanted everyone to play on so Wednesday So that means generally half the league, or maybe more than half the league, is traveling around Thanksgiving. So, tip- Although, is, don't they tell? Don't they let, am I wrong on this, the teams that travel for Christmas get to be home for Thanksgiving? I'd have to no, everyone's, check that. No, everyone's home for, oh, you mean, at, oh, actually a home, home game. Yeah. Yeah. 
that, that they're home. That if you are, if you are at home, if you're traveling on Christmas, not playing on Christmas, but if you're traveling right. on Christmas and away from your family, I think they try to let those teams not travel That's for the true, Wednesday or Friday. That's true. But players complain even when well, they have to. Players complain about everything because <laughs> you know if they have a road game on that Friday, they have to fly. So they don't get um, the whole thing. No, I know, right. but yeah. I think, I, again, I, someone, no, someone could, right. could very quickly go to the Google and figure this out. But my memory was that they said that they don't make them travel. But I mean, they, there's only, what, four teams that travel on Christmas? I have so definitely, they, you know, teams, because yeah. I have spent a lot of time yes. covering LeBron teams who have played on you Christmas have, every what year. Was the, what was the time where he set up Thanksgiving at the hotel? The, they had two moments when he was in Miami. One in Miami, they had Thanksgiving in Toronto. Yes. Um, and so they had it in a ballroom at a hotel in Toronto. Right. And I mean, I think they ordered turkey and stuff, but it's kind of weird. You know, the Canadians don't do Thanksgiving. Well, they have their own Well, they do. They do. It's just a month just earlier. A month That's yeah. right. Um, then the one year, and now, now the Heat used to have a rule, and this rule eroded steadily as, as LeBron was there. But they used to have a rule. They fly. After every game, they fly. They, you know, whether or not they were flying from Seattle back to Miami or from Orlando to Miami or wherever, they traveled the next. That was a Riley rule. So one time they played in Cleveland the night before Thanksgiving, and they had a continued road game. I think it was in Charlotte on that Friday. And they stayed in Cleveland an extra night, which you know they didn't no, want to yeah. do. They'd much rather it be in, uh, in Charlotte. So that they could have Thanksgiving at LeBron's house. And Brian, did this mm. ever come up again? Because I have the feeling it came up again later. Did it? I'm missing you. Oh, come on. Remember that whole thing where Pat Riley was and um, Phil Jackson was like, oh, Pat Riley told me. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What, what, did he, what was, he, you know. The beef was that, that in Phil Jackson's criticism of how demanding LeBron, LeBron had been. Yeah. It was that he made them stay over in Cleveland. And, of course, the joke of that criticism was he didn't make them stay over in Cleveland so he and his friends could, you know, eat Cheetos on the couch and play video right. games. He stayed, They stayed over in Cleveland so he could host the entire team and the entire Cavaliers travel party at his expense for Thanksgiving. And also it wasn't like they were going to go back to Miami. It was stay in Cleveland, go to LeBron's house. Instead of going, I think well, it was Charlotte. But Charlotte. It, it, it yeah. might, it might have been <laughs> Philadelphia, but I, I'm pretty sure it was Charlotte. Another, another city that is only marginally <laughs> more attractive than, by, than Cleveland. By the third year of LeBron, uh, or fourth year of LeBron in Miami, they were staying like here in L.A. instead of playing at uh, instead of going to Salt baby. Lake. Yeah, Scottsdale, was, baby. They yeah, would or, like they, Scottsdale. their Scottsdale like th- their schedule in Phoenix was always so. Like, it was never on a back-to-back. And they always found a way to come a day early and to stay a day late, which a lot of teams do. I don't want to make it seem uh, – I don't want to single them out. A lot of people do it because, again, the weather's nice when the rest of the country it isn't. <laughs> and there's nightlife and there's things to do. Um, but, yeah, I remember, like, when Miami's in town, Miami's in town. <laughs> <laughs> but in the old days, like – like, <laughs> If the Heat had like if the Heat played in LA on a Saturday and played in Utah on a Monday, Saturday night they flew to Salt Lake City. Right. I don't care if it was yeah. minus twelve in Salt Lake City and it was seventy in LA, they flew to Salt Lake City. But it got to the point with LeBron where it was like, eh, we're staying in LA. Yep. And we'll um we'll, we'll chill and and uh and we'll go to Salt Lake City the next day, late we, the next right. day. Right. 
You know what the funny thing is? Is I just Dave McMenamin wrote about this the other day about how he wrote it from the cast perspective. But a lot of teams now, like the the science is telling you, no, stay the night. Well, the Celtics Practice and Doc Rivers were the first ones yeah. to do it regularly. That they decided when he had that team with. Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen that he was going to uh, – they consulted a sleep doctor in Boston. Yeah. And they decided that as practice, it was the other way. Unless there was some reason they had to fly the night after the game, yeah. they would fly in the morning. And, um, you know, they moved shoot-around a lot of the time to be pregame, partly to accommodate yeah. Ray Allen's pregame shooting routine so he would not be on the court as often, seriously, because they wanted to get him – convince him to be off of his feet a little bit more and also because of the sleep science they would let the guys sleep in the morning and then rev them yeah. up with sort of a shoot around and then uh, go to the game Wait, straight on to the game i want to talk about ray allen in a second but oh yes you do uh first off um the Cavs' travel schedule this year has been downright bizarre it has not no 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 no. it hasn't been bizarre at all once you look at what where they are going it's been unusual <laughs> But you know exactly What's the why. What's unusual and bizarre? Well, bizarre means I don't understand okay. why it's the way it is. You yeah. know exactly why it's the way yeah. it is. You what know you why pointing it's at, What you are pointing <laughs> out is that they have taken advantage of the fact that they are flying all over the country to accommodate some personal time, some me time, Brian. The Cavs have already spent, I think, four off days in New York City this season. We're only in mid-November, <laughs> which is interesting. Um Monday, they played in Detroit, which was a, their finest performance of the year. Mm-hmm. They went to Detroit, which is a 26-minute flight from Cleveland. I know I've made it many times. They went to Detroit on Saturday. They did. Two days ahead of the game. They, they were home when they went to Detroit. It was, I think they had a, an event with Dan Gilbert. Uh, in Detroit. And then a Jay-Z concert to get to. And they went to a Jay-Z concert. Um, you got to live your best life, Brian. Also. Don't stand in their way. Part like they, they can do whatever they want. I don't care. I'm just explaining what they're doing. Um, so their their concept was that you know they they don't want to travel time in New Orleans. They did. They had an off night in New Orleans. Um, their beat writers are enjoying it. I think I can tell you that right now. Um, so, but one of the things that they did, like I like I totally get. Like if you're on a road, if you're at a game in Dallas, and then your next game is in. Oklahoma City. No, a, no, no. Your no. next game is in um, Charlotte, which that's a road trip that happens in the NBA, and you have an off day in between. I can understand why you don't want to make, uh, you know, a three, a two and a half hour flight, and you lose the hour, and you don't want to land, or or even like Miami, although they would probably go, but um, you don't want to leave <laughs> Dallas at you know one a.m. Eastern and get into your hotel in Charlotte at like three a.m. So I would get if you're if you're going to do that, you would spend the night and fly the next day. Mm-hmm. Well, the Cavs. And they did that. The, the Cavs at one point this year had a game in Dallas. Had a game in Dallas. And they were playing. They had an off day. Then they played in New York. They spent the night in Dallas, then flew to New York the next day. Okay, that makes sense. The Cavs also had a game in New York, then had a day off, and then and then in Charlotte. It is a one hour and like four minute flight from New York to Charlotte. In fact, when the teams actually fly, when it's late at night, when there's no other air traffic, it's probably shorter than that. And they're like, nah, we don't want to fly too late to Charlotte. <laughs> So we're going to stay in New York. <laughs> Again, don't get, don't get in the way of other people's joy. It's a long season, Brian Winhorst.
about Ray Allen. <laughs> Can you explain this story to me? Not not at what I know what catfishing is, obviously, but I'm a little confused about the intricacies of how many times, where, and when Ray Allen was catfished. Also explain catfishing. <laughs> I mean, uh, do you understand this story? I know what catfishing is. Um, it's basically based off of a, a there was a documentary in 2010 where a guy, uh, this uh, filmmaker, was having a kind of a, a very deep soulful relationship with someone that they met online, and then try to meet and it never worked out, try to Skype and it never worked out. Finally they met and it turns out this person who claimed to be the person they're talking to was completely different. By the way, this, Skype a, never worked out. That's kind of strange. We tried to Skype and just didn't yeah. work out. What, what, yeah. That? Well, I mean, but it was like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but eventually we, we connect. But, uh, yeah. So, so the woman that he was talking to turned out to be married for one and definitely physically very different looking. somebody, than, Talking to you on the internet who's presenting themselves is not who they Significantly are. Significantly different. And and when it's yes. catfishing, the idea is it's not just sort of a, not, a quick bulletin board chat room interaction. It's yeah. the idea of like, oh, you get into a long relationship with someone and you right. think that they're a 26-year-old woman from Scottsdale and it turns out that they're – you know. it's a me. <laughs> I'm just saying. Date we were lines. talking about Scottsdale. Yeah. They're a 50-year-old Date guy line. from you know Wisconsin. Dateline Orlando. Do you right. guys know uh, the most famous – Yes, I covered the story uh, extensively. Oh, okay. Um, um, Dateline wait, Orlando. So wait, 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 wait. What was it? We'll it just, was. We'll uh, get to it. it was okay. um, Chris Anderson. Retired, oh yes, that's right. Yeah. I, and I, is that what you're talking about, Andrew? That 18, wasn't that wasn't the age of consent is in that rural stage. Chris Anderson never met or saw her. Okay, all right. Continue. She lived in a See, in a better. in a rural town in I want to say it was in um, Saskatchewan or um, Alberta. I can't remember which. Okay. And she somehow got Chris Anderson's email and the email of a young girl in California. And Chris Anderson was emailing this woman in Canada and this girl was emailing this woman in Canada and she oh, was wow. acting as the go-between speaking for both parties so <clears throat> Chris Anderson was telling whatever he was saying and they they thought they were, they were having a relationship but they really weren't ever actually speaking to another right so via this woman in, in Canada crazy. <laughs> via this woman in Canada they arranged to meet up in Colorado she flew I assume Chris Anderson flew her in they met, even though they had never really actually talked to each other, they believed that they were talking to each other. And this woman, you know, she obviously has some sort of issues. They got together and had relations. And then somehow Chris Anderson got accused. I don't know what the woman played, but the woman in Canada eventually got arrested. And Chris Anderson was cleared. It took I wanna, right, years. I want to I want to point out here because that. The, he was never charged with a crime. That's I right. I just looked this up online. So that's important. Yes. But, th- like, people came and raided his house and, sh- and they... Took his computer. And there, and there was the implication that he was involved in something with a child. Right. And it... Com- tr- trust me. It it scarred Chris Anderson yeah. going forward. I mean... Um, but, like, this was before Manti Teo. Like, right. I, I learned what catfishing was with Manti Teo. Right. Um... In that case, the woman that he was, you know, involved with actually didn't exist. Right. In this case, with Chris Anderson, there was a 
person, there were two people who existed that were having conversations with each other that were being formed by just some person playing on the computer right. in Canada. Um, and that was a wild story. And it all kind of came down in September. I, I feel like the average NBA fan wouldn't have known the story because I remember it came down in September. And actually, what I remember about this is they had decided to, to clear Chris Anderson like nine months prior. And they asked him to come in and meet with them in Colorado. He was living in Florida at the time. And he wouldn't meet with them because he had been so scarred by the way he had been, in, in his opinion, had been treated that he wouldn't meet with them. So he finally, he was he had been cleared for nine months but hadn't gotten the news. And so finally um, they did it. And, you know, I felt it was our responsibility at ESPN once I found out about it. We reported on it when he when they raided his home. We reported on yeah, it when he was is, released. Like now I'm looking at the details. Like she was she was 17 when she first started texting, maybe the girl. But um, this she was past 18, I believe, when they even first made contact. And she was telling people online she was older. The real girl, who is now an Instagram model, because of course, oh, um, wow. was uh, telling people she was older. So even in the moment. When he thought he was having a relationship with someone he wasn't, he he was told she was of age. That's I mean, important also. this happened to Ray Allen's teammate. I would assume that Ray Allen would have known about this story. Um, and yet? Retired NBA star Ray Allen said he is a victim of catfishing and has asked a court to throw out a case in which he is accused of stalking someone he met online. Allen filed an emergency motion in Orange County, Florida, one day after Bryant Coleman told the court he is being stalked by the 10-time All-Star and two-time NBA champion. Allen said it was Coleman who was stalking. Coleman pretended to be a number of attractive women interested in Ray Allen, read the motion filed on Allen's behalf. Ray believed he was speaking with these women and communicated with them. So essentially, a guy accused Ray Allen of online stalking him. Ray Allen's like, no, 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 I'm being catfished. This guy was pretending to be these attractive women who was talking to me. But what? Either way, it's not a good look for Ray. I was going to say, that brings up some other questions. (laughs) I'm sure Ray has got some explaining to do, and I don't mean just to the court. But either way, it's not good, I mean. Yeah, no, it's, and it's, obviously, it's uncomfortable. But it's also, you know, it's one of those things where I think a lot of people would just be ashamed and just try to sweep under the rug. And instead, he's kind of saying, no, you're not going to hold me hostage or, or, or you know, uh, have any sort of leverage on me. I'm going to come out with this and, and be very open about it. And I, I've got to assume it's really embarrassing. I mean, that's an immensely embarrassing thing. For anybody, let alone someone who, who, you know, who kind of we look at Ray Allen as being one of the uh, the classy guys in the league, I guess. Or, uh, well, I guess when he was. Rachel, I, got, I have a question for you, being the social media maven that you are. <laughs> um, to the best of my knowledge, Ray got rid of his Twitter and his Instagram and everything because he had, didn't he have some kind of issue in the past? He He's had things where he tweeted things that he said he was... There were things where he said he was hacked, right? And then maybe 
it was that he tweeted something he didn't intend to tweet. I guess if you're... I'm going to get the particulars not exactly right. If, if you're a large celebrity, how does one even get catfished in today's day and age? I mean, how large of a celebrity? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, look, I, I, I think it's... I think it it is harder and it will probably get increasingly harder, right, for all of this. I mean, there's probably versions of this that go pre-technology, right? Like targets, like rich athletes yeah, or sure. actors or something. Well, there was a, there was a Simpsons. Right? Remember the Simpsons episode with Mrs. Krabappel and, and, and Homer found like a, a picture of Gordy Howe or Gordy Hall, the hockey player to Gordy Hall, right? And Gordy he Howe. just basically... I can't Bobby Hall, I Gordy Howe. <laughs> Gordy Howe, Gordy Howe, there you go. Hockey players takes, for 100, Alex. He takes, a, he takes a picture picture of him and like sticks it in the, the – and then calls himself some some weird romantic name or whatever. And, and Mrs. Krabappel is going off of this and at some point Bart realizes like, oh, it's going to be so funny when she goes to the dinner and uh, he's not there and she gets st- stood up and then he goes to see it happen. And uh, she ends up crying, and Bart feels bad, and then he writes some other fake letter saying, like, <laughs> oh, I had to go away because I couldn't bear to lose your love or something like that. But it's like 1994, 93 right. when that, that no, episode they were ahead of their time. I mean, there's legendary stories. Like, they come in during the rookie symposium, and they have some oh, yeah. and they just scare the hell out of the rookies. Stories like this. There was, like, one of the stories that went around for years, and they probably got new stories, but where – a, a player was drugged um, wow. or, you know, passed out or whatever, how they got passed out. And then the incriminating photos were taken of said Wait, player. Wait, did, did they do this at the symposium? Yeah. Well, they did. I don't uh, know. I mean, I don't know if they. I, I don't think. I don't I think thought, they. Wait, I, wait, wait. Yo. I don't think they actually drug a player and no, 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 take incriminating photos of him. They tell them him. the story. Oh, oh <laughs> okay. I thought, cause, no, because this is what they do. They used to do the symposium. I don't think they do it anymore. But you used to have like a really, really pretty girl in the lobby. Ah. And then they would tell, like, they, they would see how many guys would stop and oh. talk to her or whatever. That I, that, and then I never said, heard that story. Hey, who saw this girl? And they're like, oh, yeah, did yeah. anyone get a number? Yeah, like, she has herpes. And like, oh, <laughs> dun, yeah, dun, dun. Like, dun, yeah. dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's like Scotty Bowman and the hockey stick. <laughs> <laughs> Too many hockey references for I'm one. I'm telling you, yeah, it's many, many, many. It's like the third hockey reference on the Hoop Collective. You're right, Andrew. We could be the Puck Collective. Singular, and, no ass. No. <laughs> One puck. One puck. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, I mean. There's you've you, you've been around a plenty of these guys. I mean, there's stories. <laughs> That's an amazing sentence. <laughs> we have to be careful. There's stories about stuff. How much? Uh, I mean, would you say that what percentage of problems that NBA players get into that team security is able to catch and clean up? Oh, a massive amount. Again, I imagine those numbers are going down now because everyone's got a cell phone camera and everyone posts immediately on Instagram or, or Twitter. Right. But, I mean, the, the, these people are truly doing amazing amounts of work in terms of, like, the, the guy <laughs> in Miami. Work, really. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. The guy in Miami, the, the ball, I don't even know his name. They, just, they call him Fixer. The Fixer. He's, he's, got a great reputation because of how little gets out in Miami, mm-hmm. uh, given that type of city. Another guy who's really, really good, and uh, obviously his job is a little different and a little easier in a smaller town, but uh, the San Antonio guy. Again, 
Yeah, I've but heard sometimes done... small towns are hard because things get out quickly and everyone knows Ooh, each other. Yes and no. Portland, but also been the... an issue in Portland over the years. Yes, I think right. I think it depends on the, the relationship between the team and the community. Right. And communities and where they love the team, they mm-hmm. will they will hide stuff. Right. Like the the people will like what happened in Portland. And Brian brings up it was after the team's relationship with the community had been eroded That's and eroded. True. And it was a very anim- the, the, an animosity. During the, during the, I mean, the team was branded the Jailblazers. Right. Yes. Um, yes. By the fans. <laughs> yeah. It was not a marketing campaign. <laughs> no, they didn't put that yeah, up. Yeah, that would have been, been odd if no. they had done that. No. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I mean. I just think it's interesting that most fans don't know who does that for their favorite team. They might not even know that their teams have an employee, have or in one, some cases, yeah. employees who who that is a key member of not just the traveling party, but a key member of the organization. Who they I mean, when without. you worked for the Suns, how many security staff did the Suns employ? When I started, we had one full time guy right. who traveled with the team, and then there was another guy who was there for home games. Um, and they do and everything then, from like just sort of you know keep a player yeah. moving if there's too many yeah. people that are going to no, keep them from practice. So I don't want to really make it boring. seem like their whole job is yeah is just like this espionage stuff. Like no, a lot of it is just hey, someone's got to go back to the locker room because he got to, he wants to put in a new contact lens or goes to go to the bathroom, or whatever. Someone's just got to walk him there to make sure and no now one. Now te- yeah. now teams regularly travel the higher profile teams with, regularly travel with a detail. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Like, so we had when we got Shaq, we got Uncle Jerome with Shaq. Yes. And. Uncle Jerome is also one of he's one of the best and he's known. And all he is over actually Shaq's uncle. I'd like to point that out. That's not a euphemism. Is he? I just thought he. he is, I thought no, he, he is, him and his... he is uh, Shaq's mother's younger brother, and oh, okay. he is a former New Jersey police officer. Yes, he was. And he is Newark. awesome. Was he's a, a great. He's a great detective. Guy. And so I always thought it was just that he'd he'd serve. He thought he was someone. Uncle Jerome. No, yeah, no, no. He's yeah. actually Uncle Jerome, and he's he's a great guy, and he and Shaq really credits him. Um, for for keeping him not on the straight and narrow because he would have gotten into a life of crime, but just sort of you know, helping with along with Shaq's stepfather to really discipline him and teach him that work ethic. Think, uh, do you think the PR people know more about this kind of stuff? Or the... see the security people, they get the phone call. Yeah. Also, well, the security <laughs> people also have connections to. Um, They'll get the, the phone call the before the player does. Yes. Sometimes like, I was not obviously I was not around for those Kobe Shaq. Well, there was oh, like yeah. okay, so like let me give you an example. I mean, there's of where, stories the beat writers are well aware of and just don't write either because they can't get enough stuff on the record or they sure. choose not to. For or... sure, I mean, the PR staff, I feel like they try to control the f- the four walls of the arena and practice facility. So, like an example I'll give you is at one point there was a player that I was covering who there was a woman in um, Washington D.C. who was trying to serve papers or do something to get to the player. So when that player was in Washington, the PR staff like very, very carefully guarded them. You know, he would not be doing any on court interviews after the game. He would not be doing any like, Oh, he's going to come out and do the the radio interview. He would not be, there would nothing be scheduled anything outside he was sort of targeted and one standing in one place at one time the controlled like tunnels that the players would be in that in that case the pr staff is definitely protecting the player um but also personal the team security goes out with these guys when they're out on when they're out on the on the town at night and like if you go back and watch that um video that the Cavs had on the um, on the subway on the subway yep 
Um, we know who's there. Right yes, there. <laughs> and you'll see that there's there's security there who sort of when, when people sort of come near LeBron, he just very, very subtly but very forcefully just puts his hand in and says, nope, 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 like sort of puts his hand down. Nope. And at one point, Rob even uh, – Rob, that's his name. <laughs> at one point, LeBron even says to the guy, um, just we're okay. Don't worry about it. But, you know, he's just – you know, yes, it was cool that the Cavs um, – Went on the subway, but they had security. They had <laughs> at least one. There might even have been two security guards with them for that. So that's you know more, more standard. Will you have security traveling you back to Omaha for Thanksgiving? I wish I did. <laughs> no, uh, I. There were times when I needed security in in Cleveland. Um, I always befriended. Because you're so popular. I always def- eh, it wasn't because I was popular. <laughs> um, I always def- I always made sure it even to this day that I am very. I know all the security guards' names, who like who work game night, mm-hmm. and um, they all know me just in case. I've had some situations in Cleveland. How, how healthy an NDA or like parachute package are these security guards getting? Because like some of them, they don't work for teams forever. How have none of them written a book yet? Oh, that's good. I think there's a little bit of. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe there's confidentiality agreements. Maybe there's enough money. But I also think a lot of these guys kind of consider themselves like it's part of the job. Part of the job is that you are there is sort of a instrument of privacy. So it would go a bit against the code of why you were doing the job in the first place to then go write a tell-all book about it. I, I would say most of the guys I've met doing those jobs are like legitimately good guys. They're guys who maybe have had former law enforcement careers. Yeah, a lot of them are former military and former, like, you know, there's one guy that I know who's one of the longest standing security guards in the league. His background is like that of a Secret Service agent. It's like Marines, um, DEA. Yeah, I mean, know. most, I would say, like, I mean, I can't, there, there's no one group of people who is all one thing, but I would say right. that the guys I've met and talked to are, are good people who would not generally want to profit off of someone else's misfortune in that way after they finish their job. And that might be as much why we don't hear about this stuff as any money or confidentiality agreements. Well, I'm sure there's some of that, too. And by the way, I'm sure there's someone somewhere along the way who will. But And who knows what's happened behind the scenes. <laughs> Isn't this a lovely conversation for Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving? You know, we have catfishing. We have, uh, you know, clandestine operations in the NBA. It's wonderful. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this special edition of Hoop Collective. Rachel. Thank you so much. Are we going to solve what's in the can of pumpkin? Are we going to open the can? It's, I have no way to open it. There's no way to open it. And it's, pump, it's pumpkin filling. So you think it's... it's let, me, let me see it. It's like a custard. I just want to know, is it like the kind... When I scoop out my jack-o'-lantern, <laughs> does it look like that in the can? It does not look like Or does it look like the fiber. filling of pumpkin pie, which is like all pureed and... I would guess on the list of ingredients, pumpkin is like 14. <laughs> I'm does looking. it not say in the front 100% pure pumpkin? It does. 100% pure. That that could be like a brand name though. <laughs> one It says okay, it says on here for there's enough in here for one 9-inch pie. I just I'm curious. Ingredient. Not ingredients. Ingredient. Pumpkin. See? Maybe it does look like the inside of my jacket lantern. <laughs> um It's interesting. And you guys can go on Twitter and tell us uh, about your cranberry uh, sauce. I won't read it, but you can tell. Cranberry. Well, I think Andrew will collect maybe some information on how people prefer 
Note, do not freeze pie, as this will cause the crust to separate from the filling. Things you um, learn. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for hanging out. Yes, with us. thank you for listening, Rachel. Thank you for bringing um, pumpkin and uh, cranberry. <laughs> well, let's just leave the actual cranberry berries here because none of, none us, of us are going to eat just, it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Amin, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> Andrew, thank you very much. Everybody, have a. If you listen to this before Thanksgiving, may you have a wonderful travels and enjoy your Thanksgiving. If you're listening to it after Thanksgiving, we hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And come back next week when we will have a normal Hoop Collective pod schedule. Or Puck Collective. Or Puck Collective. Except for me because I will not be working next week. All right. Thank you very much. Bye. KB and KP start right now. Should we take some questions? Yeah, let's take some questions. Um, how about Vibish? Uh, this guy, I've seen him all the time. Um, why are so many people overlooking Harden for MVP? He's been absolutely unreal. Yeah, I mean, I think he's probably just not as interesting to discuss because of the fact that he was the runner-up. You know, was he the runner-up last season? He'd been in the mix, you know, two of the last three years in terms of MVP. Um, whereas someone like Giannis, it's a new thing to talk about. So I think that's mainly the reason. I would agree with that. I think Giannis is like the sexier option, you know. And yes, please, Twitter, take that out of context. I like I'm <laughs> waiting for that. Um, but I don't know what is. It's so funny. Like what? What? How do you? define MVP because I feel like it's so different for everybody else and I guess you know if you mean not just stellar performances and not just weird usage rate ratio with points and whatever but like numbers that translate to wins I think you can you can talk about Harden for sure in that um in that category this year but I agree with you that people will probably go with the sexier option. I think one I, of the things that's working against Harden as well is now that D'Antoni is there and uh, yeah. having a general manager that shares a philosophy in what is, quote-unquote, the most statistically efficient way of, of playing basketball. Uh, can, it takes it takes away from Harden's uh, unique talents as well. I, know, I mean, you know, he still was very much in the mix last year and lost out to a guy who was the first in over five decades to record a triple-double. I mean, I think if the season ended today, people would vote Harden for MVP. They're just not talking about it. I and mean, part of this is, by the way, we're one month into the season. Like, we probably shouldn't really be talking about MVP that much at all, except, you know, how Kawhi Leonard is already out of it, which we discussed a few weeks ago. Would you like to hear a cool Harden stat? That's it's probably not that cool, but I heard it and I thought that was interesting. <laughs> Sure. This season, 76 of Harden's 168 assists have come on three-point field goals, which means he has assisted on 412 points. And that's the big number. (laughs) Oh, no. Tom (laughs) Haverstow is going to sue us on this one. Ooh, do you think? Spicy. Love it. Shane Flaherty asks, 
do we think there's a relationship between how well-dressed a coach is and their job security? Pop dresses terribly, and Tyron Lue is always in a three-piece suit. Well, here's the thing. If it's if this translates beyond basketball, and and uh, you mean my job security, then no. <laughs> because I dress like trash and am doing quite poorly. <laughs> but but that is really funny, and I think that's there's probably something to that. I know you have a comment on this. I think at the high, there is a correlation between dressing poorly or at least dressing way down as a coach and having high job security. But I don't think it translates the other way where the lower your job security, the better you dress. I don't think it's it's just more you have to get to that level. And there's only a handful of coaches who have gotten to that level where it doesn't really matter how they dress. And pop is one of them. Wait, so who, so who, the- who else would fall? Yeah, go ahead. No, we were. I mean, the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Stan Van, Stan Van Gundy in Orlando. I think oh, you no, know no. during their high point was at that point. Here's here's the best question. Which three? No, let's extend it to four. Which four coaches now or in recent history could get away with wearing feety pajamas to a game? <laughs> I don't know if that would that would violate the dress code for coaches. Uh, uh, Brad Stevens, right now, you got to think that his job security is uh, pretty much on a hundred. Steve Kerr, Carlisle, yep, yeah, Carlisle, coach for life, pretty uh, much in Dallas. Spolstra, Spolstra, Spolstra. yeah, uh, Spolstra. You would make the argument that he might be the best dress coach in the end, and that's why I'm saying, yeah, that's why I'm saying it doesn't necessarily apply because some people just like dressing up, even if he doesn't have to. Um, I don't know who else is an interesting coach to discuss on this continuum. You guys. D- didn't say pop in that name four, but okay. Well, I thought we were taking him for granted. Right. That's true. Um, I don't know if I can think of. And then, like, if you think of coaches that dress poorly that didn't have job security, uh, Tyron Corbin was not a very good dresser. Sam Mitchell. Some of this is subjective, of course. Is it? <laughs> I don't. I know. I'm like, well, what a nice hoodie outfit. <laughs> Well, it's not like anyone can – there's only so much you can do on the NBA sidelines. Nobody is coaching a cutoff hoodie like Belichick. I continue to think that coaches should dress in uniform like their players, like in baseball. Uh, it doesn't make any oh, sense. No. Yeah, no, they oh, no. Oh, that makes no sense to me. It's so confusing in baseball. I'm like, who is that old player? And that, like, <laughs> when I was watching the World Series this year, that was very alarming to me. I, don't, I didn't like it. It's like uh, it's like glorified cosplay is what it is. Yes, yes. You know, by the way, where this original question actually is probably more interesting is in soccer because of the fact that there you do have this huge difference in how coaches dress or maybe even college basketball because like Huggins can get away with wearing a pullover, like a, a yeah, a windbreaker on the sidelines every game because of his mm. job security. So what we're saying is I should be a college coach. Also... Or a football what, what, coach. You and you and Belichick can both be wearing hoodies on the sideline. Brant and Belichick. That sounds harmonious. Um, what does uh, what what do, I'm sorry, I'm so ignorant about soccer. But what do soccer coaches wear? Well, some coaches wear suits on the sidelines and are incredibly natally attired, and then other managers will wear just like track suits, basically. Mm. Okay, my list of possible careers is going up. (laughs) (laughs) It's good. Which continent outside of North America can post the best starting lineup of active players? Yeah, this one I feel like needed some more thought to actually come up with the lineups, and I have not done that as yet. (laughs) Right. Well, yeah, that's true. 
Does but, uh, Does Giannis count as Europe or? Well, yeah, well, I mean, that's, uh, see, that's what I was gonna say. He isn't. He's Nigerian, or he's. But so, but if you say he's, I, I would say let's. I would call him from Greece. So if it, you're basically. Does Ibaka also count between, as Spain then? What? Yeah. yeah, because if you're gonna go by who they represent internationally, although Ibaka, I don't think makes the team. Does he? At least not the starting five. For sure. But, oh, Okay, so if we call him Greece, it's like should okay. Here's here's the question. I I have extracted a real question. If we call Giannis from Greece, he is a veritable Greek, and Joel Embiid from Africa. Are you building your team? Would you rather build your team around Embiid or uh, Giannis? You have found a great question here, huh? Uh, I mean, if, if we're talking in. Are we talking about like for the next ten years or for a single tournament or like uh, between these teams? Wait, are we still limiting this to continent right now? Mm, no, I think we've just no. moved past it to okay, this specific gotcha. question. Okay, got it. And and should Kristaps be in this conversation? Latvia, three six Latvia, or Ben Simmons for that matter, whichever oh. continent you want to say, oh, whether he's yeah. Australian or. Okay, so we'll say: Would you rather build a team around Kristaps and Bead? And Tedekumpo and or Simmons. I would say Giannis over Embiid just because of the the, the health questions. Right. Yeah. I would have said that too. I mean, what Embiid's been doing the last couple of weeks is just amazing. You know what you know what I noticed is so weird, and this might just be me, but the last time I just saw him at the Lakers game, and everyone is, you know, kind of shocked at how tall he actually is. But I think being around the sport so often, I, it's so weird. Like, I don't find his height that jarring. Is that, is that strange? No, you get desensitized to height when you spend as much time around basketball players as we do. But there are some guys who then, like, even compared to the seven-footers seem tall. I think, like, JaVale McGee was one of those for me because he was listed at, like, seven-foot, I want to say, coming out of Nevada. And then it was pretty clear, like, early on in his Wizards career, like, this dude is way taller than even the seven-footers. Right. Hmm. And Embiid is, he's what? He's just seven feet? I think he's seven one. I should just look this up. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen Joel Embiid play in person. Oh, you you have to. <laughs> well, I'm uh, fingers crossed next month in Portland uh, that he will be healthy, but he's never he's never played in, in Portland. So Aww. he is listed at um, seven feet. Hmm. But part of the issue as well is that there are so many players that uh, inflate their height in the league so guys next yeah. to him that claim to be 6'10 6'11 look decidedly shorter right I have not seen Kristaps in person though Kristaps is very tall yeah 7'3 yeah, 7'3 yeah. um, and he is legitimately 7'3 creepy yeah <laughs> I never saw <laughs> Yao play Yao was what 7'6 yep. yeah the Asian people should never be that tall <laughs> well, we didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's a good one. Are we recording? Are we subtweeting Ethan this whole time here? Yeah.
That's what this show is. <laughs> okay, so here's used to get re- really upset at me for using big words from time to time. Even though I generally don't. Like when I write it, it's pretty plain language all things considered. Here's the thing. I feel like if the word is is appropriate and and I don't just mean a, like there's another equally appropriate, but this one's just fancier. But I right. mean the perfect word for the slot. Like if that is your I don't know, like if there's a, a word that doesn't exactly fit, but it's like a co- more commonly known word, but this word so happens to be a better replacement value. I don't understand why we have to think twice about being called a D-bag or whatever for using it. Come on. No, I agree with you on that. I mean, I, I and, you know, especially on Twitter, like if you don't understand something, it's different than you're having a conversation in person with someone. If you don't understand something, you can just go and look it up. Yeah. Yeah. And see, we're educating. We're educator. <laughs> well, that's what I hope we're doing with this podcast. Oh, uh, no. Should we? <laughs> is that not what you're hoping we do with this podcast no i'm just saying that's a really beautiful high hope <laughs> yes it, it's it's lofty KBKP. Serious question. What is Kyrie not, not equal to, or I think he means why. Why is Kyrie not equal to or better than Steph at on the court? Why don't he, you, why don't you this read is the too question? Hard. Yeah, and then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, basically, why are they saying that Kyrie is not equal to or better than Steph when Michael Cassidy, uh, claims that he is a better ball handler, a better finisher, a better closer, better shooter, better passer, an on-bell defender with good hands for steals. He's stronger and has fewer dumb turnovers and fouls. Your thoughts? Yeah, this is crazy. (laughs) Kyrie is not as good at many of these things as Steph Curry. That's right. And I guess Steph knows his shapes. But go ahead. (laughs) I mean, can we talk about the fact that like Kyrie is not having that great of a season outside of crunch time? Like his individual statistics are pretty much the same as they were in Cleveland last year. Now his defensive effort has certainly been much better, and I think that's why right. he's been a way more valuable player overall. But you know, to I, I'm a little skeptical with this narrative that like, oh, Brad Stevens is getting so much more out of Kyrie than Ty Lue ever did. Like defensively, sure. Yeah, offensively, dubious. But the other aspect of it is even if you think that Kyrie is like equally, you know, gifted in terms of skill and physical abilities as Steph, the difference is mentality. Like yeah. Steph operates in a way that is more conducive to winning. That's true. And who would you say? Here's a here's an even more interesting question. I what am I, the queen of interesting questions? Who is she? And it's probably a bigger is not probably is is certainly a bigger factor in the what has actually been Boston's strength, which is the best defense in the NBA. Um, I I mean, certainly you know the the clutch aspect is important, and the Celtics have won a lot of close games that they might not have won that they would not have won without Kyrie Irving. But I would still probably lean towards Horford. You? Yep. 
I'm the same way. Well, what, you knew that. that what I was happens if right. you put Brad Stevens in there as well? And you said you could only keep one of them. Okay. Hmm. You can only keep Al Horford, Kyrie Irving, or Brad Stevens? Correct. Ooh, interesting. Okay, this is the pot of interesting questions. <laughs> um, wait, I have to get rid of one or keep only one? You can keep only one. Um, Mar- Mary Boff Kill? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I wish I had that joke. So are we Uh, asking this question for the long term or just for this season? uh, For the long term, because I would imagine if we're talking about anything short term, you'd always err on the side of the player. Yeah. Um, I mean, to me, that to me, that hurts Horford's case the most just because of his age. Right. Yeah. I would I'd I'd stay with Brad Stevens. I I would probably Go Kyrie, I guess. Oh, wow. Kick Pelton off the pod. Didn't Jade used to do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm still a little skeptical that co- the best coach can be nearly as valuable as the best player. Uh, I, I'm with you on that, but I don't know, man. Okay, when you said earlier, you are skeptical that, oh, Brad's gotten so much more out of Kyrie than dang it, but, 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 do you you do agree that he kind of has on the defensive end? Like, don't you think that that's especially with Boston's past couple seasons? You don't think that that has a lot to do with Brad? Like that, uh, basically creating that culture where every single guy on the floor and on the bench is just ready to jump in and play hard defense the entire time, and they have so many. Like, it's not that they had in past years so many like just great players. You know, the, uh, an amazing starting five. It was that like everyone that was cycled through that system was ready to go out there and play hard defense the entire time, and it was like so deep that way. But they weren't actually that good defensively last year. I mean, they were just okay defensively, and it's not like they've not had defensive talent. I mean, you know, Avery Bradley was an elite defender in the league before he got to Brad oh, Stevens. Oh, maybe I think it's two years ago. I mean, Jay Crowder is someone else who I think always was going to be this good defensively. So this year, I think is the first year that they have really exceeded what they dramatically exceeded what they would have done defensively with a different coach i think in uh, my opinion i think kb kind of gets to what i was thinking though is that uh it's not easy to have a bad team with a terrific coach like spolstra with that miami roster last year is an example of that but you have seen with regularity bad teams with exceptional talents um yes so if in terms of building culture and uh, trying to field a competitive team, a coach it, it might uh, limit your ceiling because you don't have the top end talent to be able to compete with some of the best teams in the league. But just in terms of day in day out competition, a coach does seem like it would be more important than having one good player. Kevin, who is the best team that's had the worst coach that has not fulfilled the potential of that team in recent memory? Yeah. Doc Rivers and the Clippers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> buddy. Yeah, that's that's is probably Doc a pretty Rivers good one. Is Doc Rivers a great coach? I mean, you know, this gets back to some of our philosophical questions earlier. Like, Doc Rivers is probably really good at some things and not good at others. And he's also a different coach than he was in Boston because, as uh, Bill Simmons is happy to tell you, of the time he's spending on the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> Do the This is from Will chat well, I, I i would like to think his name is will shoe do 
The Bucks need to fire Jason Kidd. I love Giannis and I want him to succeed. That's very nice of you, Will. But watching Bucks stand around with no off-ball movement on offense and double-teaming guys in the lane without rotating to shooters in the corner is getting old. I mean, do they need to fire Jason Kidd? I'm not sure that replacing him with you know Joe Prunty, who filled in as coach the other night because uh, Kidd was absent for the birth of a child, uh, and congrats to him there. Uh, or you know Sean Sweeney or some other member of the Bucks coaching staff is that going to make them better that much better this year? I I don't see that. I think to get where they want to go, I'm not sure that Jason Kidd is the right coach. Mm. Um, I've I've heard the uh, I'm I, I just going to shamelessly rip this off because I don't remember where I read it anymore. But people have made the comparison between Kidd and Mark Jackson to Steve Kerr in, in Golden State, and I think that that could be a fair comparison. So here's. Uh tangent to that question where where does the next good coach come from because i think everyone points to brad stevens and saying uh what a stroke of genius it was to hire him out of butler but it doesn't seem like there are many uh, high profile uh, college coaches right now that could make the jump to the nba and the nba is littered with retreads at the moment that are just sitting on the sidelines yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, the, the college ranks, I don't see anyone like Stevens who can really make that jump and be ex- incredibly successful doing it. So I think it's probably, and it's probably a young assistant, I would um, say. What, is, what do you think, um, or is there any issue in the way of someone like Rick Pitino getting a, an NBA job because of what happened in NCAA? No. There's nothing in the way of that, is what the you're saying. Pro, yeah, I mean, you see a number of coaches who you know get hot, hit with a show cause at the college level to come be an NBA assistant, like Kelvin Sampson, uh, when he when he was uh, fired at Oklahoma, did that, but or at Indiana, I should say. But I don't. I mean, Patino's not going to come be an assistant, and you know who's mm-hmm. going to make patino their head coach at this point i don't think that i don't i don't think that's a fit Ooh, sorry patino <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's richard so patino maybe all right thanks for listening everybody happy thanksgiving and be sure to send us your questions for next next week using the hashtag kbkp please send yeah, questions actually do it yeah mm-hmm.